What's up, everybody? Welcome to the fourth Dropcast, the last Dropcast. Um, it was just me and Trey, and all of them have been. But today we have our first guest, Jack Vireg. He's a very good friend of mine. Um, he's a marketer. I've known him for about 10 years, and he also it works with the company Nutshell, which is our CRM. <laughs> Thank yeah. you again for that. Yeah. Appreciate your business. Yeah. Um, appreciate you, bro. Thank you. Our I mean, annual contribution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Just to get things started, I've known Jack since I was 17 years old. I'm now 28. And how old are you? 31. 31. Thir- oh. <laughs> I'm not 31 yet, bro. Your My birthday's, birthday's on in Friday. two days. Yeah, yeah on Friday. Awesome. I'm already like prepared for that. I've been telling myself over and over, like, I'm going to be 31. Yeah. I just failed the age, the age question, bro. It's okay. Off to a bad start. Dude. Just <laughs> cut the whole thing, man. That's it. <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. But yeah. I Happy per- early so- birthday. Thanks, bud. Yeah. You're yeah. the first one. Reverse, reverse belated. I guess. You're, oh, you're, you're the, the first one. Happy birthday, Jack. Oh, yeah. Reverse belated. Yeah. Got the one. The Thanks, first. Trey. You're welcome, dude. I'm marking I'm that sorry. in my book. Uh, <laughs> every year, the first person to wish me a happy birthday. I got one of those, so. too. Nice. Yeah. Fuck. Nice. <laughs> you guys are You don't have that? Good. No. Huh. Okay. Well, I've known Jack for about 10 years now because I met him when I was 17. I'm 28. Um, we started working together when we were at Pop Bellies, and we were slanging sandwiches in downtown and on state street and jack came to me and i was 17 years old and i was like nervous because it was one of my first like jobs i've actually been serious with with my seven dollars and 20 cents an hour oh my god bro terrible 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 but it was it was funding my life um jack is if you can't tell already a really funny prankster type dude so that's, that's false no so like when i'm lying already when i met him he me and him would be clowning at work and I would be so nervous because I thought he was always going to get me in trouble because <laughs> we had, we had this manager and she was, she hated me so much and her name was Rachel and she was like, would yeah. crack the fucking whip. <laughs> and it turns out now that. Yeah. Rachel is my fiance. Yeah. We, we uh, live together. We've mm-hmm. been together for like five years. Yeah. That number had better be right, bro. We're having so much trouble. <laughs> no, but like, so it, it's super funny because there was this authoritarian figure that I was scared of and I thought Jack was always going to get me in trouble. And there were times where I had to like be like, yo, Jack, come on, we got to we gotta work, bro. And he'd be like, nah, fam. <laughs> but Jack actually worked his way through the ranks and he's a natural born leader. Um, he's got a crazy backstory. He's, he's very, like, I'm very emotionally intelligent, very good at critical thinking. And I think that's kind of where the skill set that kind of got you where you are today, if I'm correct. I mean, thanks, dude. And a beast I, at whipping pot belly sandwiches, apparently. <laughs> dude, I, I was no joke, bro. Well, I appreciate you saying those things, man. I should have come on this podcast earlier. I, I feel better about myself already. Earlier, it's the bit. <laughs> well, like, so you moved your way up and then you became manager and then you went and managed a bunch of other restaurants downtown in Arbor as well. Yeah, specifically. So I became a shift lead at Potbelly. Mm-hmm. Um, I left there to go work at Satchel's Barbecue. I started as like a generic manager and then became the pit master, um, which is like, it's the weirdest position. Like, it, it's, it's not very much a restaurant position as much as it is just like, the meats i was responsible for everything from fire tender yeah dude i would do that i would build <laughs> mm-hmm. fires every day i didn't even wear a uniform i would wear like a sweater like you'd be out back i'd yeah doing stuff working the it smoker. was literally everything from ordering the meats to like butchering them and like prepping them for service and that was it but like a barbecue place like there's a a big life cycle on those you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it takes a full-time person not very big profit margins and your like product 
is expensive. Actually, <laughs> I mean, one of my uh, one of my retirement gigs that I want to pull off, one of many, is like I want to own a barbecue place because like the cost of goods is not very expensive. Like when you go to a barbecue place, you're paying for like the barbecue experience, basically. Mm-hmm. Like we, I don't remember the exact numbers, but like the profit we would make on just selling like a pound of chicken was like, it was like $15 profit on that pound of chicken. It was nuts. Dang. It cost us maybe like a dollar tops. Jeez. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is like pot belly, like the cost of goods for one sandwich was like a buck 20 to like a buck 80. And they were selling for like $6. So like, I remember I would have to use like my hourly wage to buy a sandwich. Yeah, dude. That, so that's also, that was my biggest thing in all like the restaurant management things. Oh, and then I also went to Pyology, and I was, like, acting as GM. It was me and one other guy. Like, mm-hmm. he was the morning guy. I was the night guy. We didn't like each other. I still think he doesn't like me to this day. Which the is- guy that I quit when I was drunk. No. No. That was, <laughs> that's a different guy. That guy was, like, doing something in another state, I oh. think, at then. It was me and this this morning manager. <clears throat> Yeah, okay. just, just <laughs> restaurant economics. Yeah, it's, it's well, not something I expected to talk about today. That's okay. We Climbing the ladder, man. Breeze over <laughs> that. Basically, the moral of the story is Jack is is very fast learner and he's a boss. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so a CRM just kind of to go into what we were talking about on our last podcast of building your brand and you know just kind of finding your niche. Um, when that happens, you get a lot of clients, and then those clients. Sometimes they might fall through the cracks if you can't manage all of them. Mm-hmm. So a CRM is a client relations management tool. Is that exactly what it's basically like a digital Rolex to keep everything in order? It's, in a, in yeah. a sense, I mean, you're yeah. the you're the expert. Let's <laughs> no, hear it, bro. I couldn't have said it better. I mean, it's hard to you kind of describe it differently for everybody based on their business needs. But like, I think the the best explanation for someone who like legit just doesn't know what a CRM is is like imagine if like your contacts in your phone like. But you've got me saved. You've got my number, like my address and all that. It's kind of like that, but like more comprehensive and it's shared with your team. So Mm -hmm. like you can go like if if we're doing sales, I've got a contact. You can see him. You can see what messages I've sent to him. You can see what emails he's opened. If you use, you know, certain CRMs, ours does that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And then categorizing it all, too. So like you have your salesperson, but then you also have like your marketing team where you can like then click through and see like your whole whole spread of your team and stuff in that sense. Exactly. That's actually one of the the fundamental principles of like why Nutshell does really well against the competitors. Um, We're all about combining like your sales and marketing efforts. So like I work like I'm a marketer, but I work on the growth team, Mm -hmm. which is salespeople and marketers. And like we work together, we'll like look at their pipelines and see like which emails are doing well, mm-hmm. which ones don't get any responses. Um, yeah, it's it's like a unified effort. You know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. uh, that's unique. Like I haven't been in another organization that does it quite like that. I mean, everyone kind of says like, oh, our marketers support our salespeople. But like I've had marketing jobs where like most of what I'm doing is like making like spreadsheets and PowerPoints like for the salespeople. Yeah. So. Do you want to touch on, John, because like you're the main person in Drop that kind of deals with the CRM. Do you want to touch on like why we went with using a CRM and like what that kind of does like for our sake? So I, to be completely honest, when I first got the Nutshell CRM, I got it because of one feature, which I really liked, which was 
not only does it have all my clients exactly and all their their data like their phone numbers their emails like you can have a company for example and then you have all the people that work at that company and then there's my client contact that i talk to and then i can add tags to them so like the tags were really helpful because i could be like okay well this is the client contact or like you know if i have especially in the production industry we've got grips we've got actors we've got um, camera operators, we've got photographers, and I just every time I get somebody's contact, I can plug that into my little Rolodex in the CRM, and I can add the tag of a photographer or a press contact or like somebody you know who's a booking agent or this and that. So like if I need somebody to do that, I can just search it up real quick, and it gives me a huge list of names. Now that was super helpful, but there was way more to that CRM that I even <laughs> realized when I first bought it. I was having trouble. We were at peak capacity. And I was really having trouble juggling clients. And it was like certain things were just kind of falling through the cracks. You know, I might not have emailed somebody back here or done this or done that the way I was supposed to. And, and I was it like, shows you like your last, oh, like yeah. how it's many sweet. days it's been since you've like contacted this, this person and stuff. So it syncs to your Google calendar and it syncs to your, your contacts and everything in your Gmail. So like, you know, if I am a couple days late on an email or vice versa, the client is, I can, it'll like, you know, I can click on my jobs because what I would do is I would form a pipeline and I'd be like, these are the jobs that we have all open. And then I would enter in exactly what it is. If it's an advertisement, if it's a documentary work, if it's a music video or whatever it is, add in how much money it was worth, how many days it is, and then you can build your stages. So for us, it was really nice because we would be in the pitch, like curation stage that I built. Yeah, exactly. Then it would go from pitch to pre-pro and then from pre-pro to production and then production to post team recap like then like, you get to see that nice green bar once you yeah. finished a project and then you can have <laughs> your leads bar, bro. Like, yeah, that bar. Green bar. and then yes, it goes dude. into our money and it keeps track of our money too and it can literally tell me like oh, man the worst part about it though is like i was entering all of our old data before covid and i bought it like right before covid really cracked down and it'll be like last year at this time you mm. were doing this <laughs> much money and this <laughs> year you're like this much percentage down and i'd be like Fuck, it just gives you a big middle finger because CRMs don't understand COVID. Yeah, well, it's (laughs) just like, you know, it it does literally like everything that I need it to. But um, I kind of want to save some more of the CRM talk for a little bit afterwards and, you know, push a little bit forward on like more of who Jack is and and Jack's story. If if what you have in store is like CRM help, you just get your computer, bro. I'll build your pipeline for you right now. (laughs) Um, I also want to say I have the authority to do this. If anyone listening is like interested in what this is, because it's like for small businesses, oh yeah, I can it give helps. out I can give out a discount. I can give out like a, we got at least ten percent off. So like, if yeah. you're listening to this, get at me. I'll give you a discount. We can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. We got, got signed up for a year and we got the discount. And actually, Eric Furlong, who's in our Call of Duty group, yeah, also. Dude. Me and Jack play a lot of Call of Duty together. We're like in a huge group chat with like yeah, five, ten, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know about dudes. It. We've got a 50, 60 person regiment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. We run it's, it. It's too much. Tournament? It's too much. We're I have suck, all that muted, bro. Suck gang. <laughs> 69 steps <laughs> to success. You can't put that. That may or may not be right. No one, <laughs> no one go looking for us. <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, Jack's just been a huge help along the way for a lot of stuff, not only as a business mentor, but mostly a life coach. And then on top of that, um, like when me and Trey were kind of getting drop off the ground in certain ways and building our website, you really helped us with like how to utilize our SEO, how to like build everything into our website the way that we need to so we can get onto the top of Google and other things like that. Like we had a lunch about it and everything and it took it and ran and it's helped a lot. 
Yeah, yeah totally. you you touched on the key thing though. You said you took it and ran. Like there was a while where I was part time at Nutshell and mm-hmm. I was consulting in my free time. Mm-hmm. And one of my big clients, it was just kind of like a prolonged way of letting go of my previous employer. Like mm-hmm. I really liked them. I learned a lot there. They're it's a family business and they're just like great people. So like I consulted for them and then like that opened the doors like I just said yes to a couple projects here and there, like nothing crazy. Um, actually some, some of them got crazy, but, um, yeah, like, while I was consulting a lot of people, like I would put a lot of thought and I feel like I'm like showing my work as best as possible for like the marketing stuff. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing is people who are looking for marketing consulting help usually don't like, they don't understand marketing yet. It's usually like young businesses and like, it's no fault of their own. It's not like they like you can just go your whole life without understanding how like good marketing should work. You know what I mean? Like no one ever comes and waves that in front of you. So people would, you know, hit me up about like this hypothetical stuff. Should we do this? Should we do that? And I would put tons of thought into like what their go to market strategy is, like where their product fits in the market, what their pricing should be, what their, what their emails should say, what their website should say, who they're targeting. I mean, I would do it all like literally from writing the emails to like, designing the website if they paid me to do that otherwise mm-hmm. just like giving them like a wireframe like it should look like this and and quick side note you're trained yeah. in like web flow you just taught yourself what yeah i i did <laughs> i did so i'm html and css certified mm-hmm. um i use a lot of visual web editors like wix it's like it's as easy as like writing with crayons like you just mm-hmm. like drag and drop like shapes oh, yeah. and words um yeah and then i recently have learned web flow Um, our creative director, Rebecca is like the primary like web flow person. I just kind of just absorb like what she's going through. Mm -hmm. And then also we have an agency called Huck Finch. They're actually local. It's these two guys, Hein and Matt, and they're like our web flow pros. We kind of like have a, an ongoing thing because we're migrating a site over from WordPress to web flow. So they've pretty much like taught me and Rebecca, like everything. Can't recommend them enough. Um, but yeah, I would meet with businesses and I'd give them a plan. Like literally, like if I were like one of those like sketchy marketers, like I would give them like a, like I'd attach like a $10,000 price tag to that. Like this is like your three year marketing strategy. But it, it, you know, it, maybe I should have priced it because people would take them more seriously. But like I found a lot of people will just take that document and like do one of like the 30 things that I recommend. And then it's like, two years later, they're still in the same spot. And like, it makes me like low key salty. Like, cause you put you guys, all that work into it and yeah. they didn't take your advice. And they yeah. also like my hourly rate is really high. Cause like, I don't actually love consulting. Like maybe if I didn't have nutshell, like I would like it more, but like I have my own thing. I've got my own team and my own full-time thing. Like mm-hmm. if I'm going to do consulting on the side, like it, you, you want to make pay, it work. And like, yeah, you got to pay a bunch of money for it. And like, so people would spend lots of money for me to tell them stuff that they wouldn't do. And like, I don't know, it's just kind of a bummer. I wish that more people took it seriously, mm-hmm. but you guys did all that. Like you guys got the CRM, you guys, your site is amazing. You know what I mean? Like Thank you. your, uh, your social presence and stuff is like, I don't even know how to do social media. Honestly, like I'm not even that kind of market. It's a like, bitch. Well, you, <laughs> d- you completely memed out LinkedIn. <laughs> I want my personal like goal in life is to take LinkedIn from like, the start it to me it feels like a starchy awkward networking event oh yeah you know what i mean where people are like oh hi i'm the i'm the ceo of bob's furniture my name is bob and it's just like (laughs) weird stuff and like i want to turn it into like you know like a more like workplace ish like where you can be like funny and like professional at the same time 
there's not like a big That's audience for that. Yeah, yeah watch me like spend like 20 minutes making a meme that gets like one like, and it's like my boss just being like a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> Go get him, Jack. Well, Jack, I think you also have a really fine line and you're really good at balancing it when it comes to like the jokester of it, but then also the professional aspect where like, you can go out and do the things that most people in a professional at like realm wouldn't necessarily find like either the most tasteful or like the most professional, but you've somehow written it off or like they've written it off to like, Oh, that's just Jack being Jack. But like, we can't lose him because he's really good at this. You know what I mean? That's, that's the secret is like, I think a lot of people don't know me in real life. You know what I mean? They don't know that I'm like actually a a good person or like good at what I do. And they just think I'm just like some weird, like, person who like escaped 4chan for the day to like come and like (laughs) (laughs) cause some problems on LinkedIn real quick. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I I guess I think if people like really knew my intention more, like maybe it would be better received. Like I think it's well received. Or just like letting your work speak for itself and everything else just like doesn't, I should, I should be a little more transparent about like the actual work that I do and like how complicated it is. That's something in general that like, if people ask me like what I'm up to for the week, unless it's like literally a status report, I'll just be like, Oh, I'm doing some blog stuff, some SEO stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm really bad at like putting things out there. I just don't think I'm super like bad that. at that too. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's tough to like literally like recall all the things that are occupying your mind at that, oh, yeah. at that moment. It's like, and well, I'm, in the, I'm in the zone right now. On. It's like, yeah, dude, when people ask me that, yeah. like, what projects you've been working on, I always blank. Cause it's like, dude, I don't and you know. remember it like right as you say. Or like when person, people ask, like, "Oh yeah, we've been doing like ten projects." Yeah, <laughs> it's rough. Or like when people ask your birthday and you say what age you're about to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing. Only only a dummy would do that. <laughs> um. So let's 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 derive or like digress from the marketing <laughs> and the SEO and all that stuff. And I kind of want um, to talk with you just kind of like about other parts of your life and like where you got here and and it's up to you to to go whatever many details you want but one thing in this show is that it turns out that people like hearing about who we are and what people do and like the accomplishments that they've made in life rather than like a bunch of camera jargon and stuff all the time so yeah totally we're like kind of splitting it down the middle for our viewers here so we can keep everybody happy yeah Um, I'm, i'm i'm one of those people for sure yeah john what you're alluding to is that i'm a recovering addict um i was addicted to heroin when i i started when i was 15 bro it was bad mm. started like sniffing it and then like got into intravenous got clean when i was 21 um and that's yeah, when we met that's when we met mm-hmm. i had like 30 days clean bro mm-hmm. i was fresh out of jail so like that's not something that like i've spoken about until like very recently now that i'm like established as like you can trust this person with like your website. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like that's the thing about like, if you're, you know, a junkie, if you need help, like with addiction, like they just throw you in jail over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like, and then like the state, somehow they make money off of you, even though you're broke. Like it's, yeah. so that happened to me. And I did like, I did like 30 days, like a million times and like a couple sixties and one ninety, and just like mm-hmm. literally just for drug paraphernalia. Like I don't have any like, burglaries or like you know any you're a non-violent offender yeah dude i've never never Mm -hmm. even been involved in a scenario like that let alone like gotten charges like that but you know that doesn't matter to to the the state the powers that be i -hmm. guess but like every time i was in jail i would notice that like all the junkies like after they go through their withdrawals they're like 
normal people. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and like totally. when you're in like a big 60 man cell, like you can see like there are people with behavioral issues. Like they'll beat somebody up over like lunch. You know what I mean? Like cause mm-hmm. their role was smaller than that person's role or whatever. Like there are people with like real problems, violent, scary people. And, and, uh, the criminal I mean, system just wants to slap that big old band-aid over it and I, call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. If I wanted to be super woke, I would say that those violent people typically like had really bad like they've been failed previously yeah. by like the state and like just in by society, like and that caused them to turn out that way. I don't want to say like no violent people are guilty of like what they've done, but I think that like we can make changes to society that like cut down on that as well. But totally. like in, in jail, I mean like the junkies are just like normal people. And it's like, it's just a guy who can't stop doing heroin, which is illegal. So like this person is just going to be in jail their whole life. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's disheartening. And I think one of the things about it too, is it's like, it's really difficult for people who don't have any addiction issues or anything like that to grasp the concepts of what's going on. I mean, cause I just like a month ago lost like my best friend to addiction issues. And it was like one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with. And I'm still dealing with it, but it took me a long time to understand exactly what he was going through and mm-hmm. just understanding that you're right. I mean, these are normal, beautiful souls, but they just have like issues when it comes to like addiction and other things like that because of past societal failures and nature versus nurture and all that stuff. And you know, totally. Um, but then the beauty of it though, is like what happened next? Like after you got out and you got clean and yeah. So <clears throat> this time, um, like what I wish that people had told me, like from the time that I was a child, like was that you are either an, like being an addict is like something that is just, I wouldn't say wrong, but it's like a, a, a tangible thing in your brain. You know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. right, the right doctors could like look at all of our brains and be like, oh, this one's the addict right here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. a real thing. Yeah, it's a makeup of your, like, chemicals in your brain and stuff. Yeah, for sure, yeah. You're right. Like, I will never be able to, like, long story short, I'll never be able to, like, use drugs or, like, drink alcohol recreationally. Like, I don't want to say it affects me more necessarily, but it just, it means something to me in such a way that it's very hard for me to let go. It doesn't make sense. It's not rational, but, like, I know that about myself. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that, like, when I was getting started, like, with, with heroin especially, like, I thought like everyone who was addicted to drugs was just like a loser. Like they just didn't have the willpower to like mm-hmm. to say no to this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really, really wish that like that was taught in schools, mm-hmm. but it's not. Like in Dare, they're just like don't ever do drugs. Like yeah. only losers do them. And then like you find out like your teacher smokes weed, and it's like oh, so that was all like a lie, you know? Like yeah, that's very valid. <clears throat> Holy shit. Um, but yeah, so I came to Ann Arbor. I didn't grow up here. I grew up in Livonia, which is like one of my least favorite places on the planet. It's like picture a grid of like it's that map that you made in the meme. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, basically just I mean, my advice to people who don't know what Livonia is, just like don't ever go there. If you want to picture Livonia in your mind, picture a, a grid. This. <laughs> yeah, picture this. This this grid right here. And it's just subdivisions of like kind of shitty houses full of I don't know. There are good people in Livonia. I shouldn't like shit on it so much. My experience there was not great, but there's just not a lot to do. There, there's kinda like kind of shitty houses with kind of shitty people. I was, I was going to say that, and I was like, Dude, I can't. Yeah, that's not. I still know a if bunch. If anybody's of, listening oh. from Livonia right now, they're like, Yo, fuck this podcast, dog. No, it's just, it's just not a place for someone like me. Like, if I were, I mean, I understand why people live there, and like most of it is like family. People live there because like their grandparents lived there. So like, it's important to them to, mm-hmm. to be close. And like that, 
makes total sense. And like there are businesses there. It's just not the spot for me, bro. Like I need I need the Arb and I need like a river and I need like some winding roads. I think and stuff. Uh, for some people too, um, being in the same place that you grew up with or like that you grew up in with like all the people that you knew and stuff, like sometimes all those friends can be really toxic too. And like, I mean, I've seen that with uh, like some friends going like through high school and stuff, like they don't live here anymore and like for the sole reason like they're in recovery too and like for the sole reason that just like ann arbor for them is like a really toxic place and like they've recognized that and made that conscious conscious decision to like not live here anymore which is really i think valid yeah Mm -hmm. that's totally right i think that people are capable of changing themselves for the better it's just hard to do it when you're in like the same environment Say one day I woke up super inspired and I was like, I'm going to be like this, this type of person. And like, you know, I, I hit up all my homies and I'm like, yo, this is like the new me. They'd be like, whatever, dude. Like, you're still going to wake up in the same bed, go to the same job, do the same stuff, play the same video games. Like, it's easier to do those like metamorphoses, like when you change your scenery as well. You know what I mean? For mm-hmm. me, that was Ann Arbor and I was able to, you know, find out what working a legitimate job was like and mm-hmm. like started having like real healthy like adult friendships and like relationships and stuff rather than just everybody is some sort of drug acquaintance you know what i mean and mm-hmm. like well, that also, was that was critical for me it was coming here and leaving i would definitely not be clean if i had stayed in livonia for sure and one of the so this goes back to some analogies not really analogies some you know whatever some things that the way that my brain views this subject is like plants and uh, soil and pots and stuff it's like if, if we're a plant we all like need to grow we're all in a pot and that pot has soil and it's like if you're in a toxic pot or you're in a toxic habitat where you're getting choked out by other plants or other things like that like you have to uproot yourself and put yourself in a whole new habitat to grow you know Mm -hmm. and i mean it's the same thing with trey it's like being born and raised in this area i mean like i talked about on the last podcast where like i have certain friends who aren't doing the things that they need to be doing and if i was if i met them today i wouldn't be friends with them but i love them to death because of the history that i have with them and it's just difficult to see your friends not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And like what I was talking about, you're the average of all your friends and other things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, those habits and stuff, you have to surround yourself with other people like Trey and them who like, you know, kind of got me out of those cycles. Yeah. It's definitely like in a sense, like uprooting, like what you did, like, and what we were kind of talking about is definitely a thing, but um, it's not like my mom always tells me this. It's not, where you are it's who you are in a sense too which like i mean both are definitely valid but like it definitely stems from within like change at least Mm -hmm. yeah i i actually i love that quote dude Mm -hmm. (laughs) tell your mom that's a great quote yeah that's something that i kind of like struggled with when i moved here was like you know i'm in a new place but like who am i at my like why am i here you know what i mean and like um you know i kind of got an opportunity like through recovery like to define myself like i want to be a trustworthy person. I want to mm-hmm. be an accountable person. And like my case was unique. Cause like I started getting high when I was literally like living at my mom's house. I was 15, you know, like I didn't have a chance to like what was try the... adulthood and then like try again. What were you going to say? Uh, sorry to interrupt. What was the gateway into to using <laughs> opioids at such a young age? It It's kind of a crazy, it's, it's like a weird story and like everything just fell into place in the perfectly wrong way. Like, I mean, everyone smoked, like all the kids smoked weed. You know what I mean? Like that's just whatever. In high school, like you go to school, you're a freshman, people are smoking weed, you start doing it too. Um, and like 
I found that like I was uh, so I met I met somebody at a party once who was from Detroit, um, and I started buying weed from him, and it was like better than like I thought the guy was cool. Like I don't know what he was doing like at a Livonia party, but like up in that he, clientele, baby. I guess I mean it worked on me, dude. Like I started going to him, and his weed what he sold Nick bags for five dollars, and uh, I was able to to sell them for ten dollars at my high school, and people would still like pay me for gas on top of that. Just because it was so much better than like, you know, the the shit that you'd buy from like, you know, the kid named Brandon who drives a fucked up Honda Civic. You know what I mean? Like, so I was doing that and like that kind of made me like a cool, you know, this guy can get you whatever you need type deal. Um, We started like we tried like ecstasy like once or twice. Like I didn't even go through like the the ecstasy scene like everyone else seemed to. Um, And then my girlfriend at the time. Her grandfather passed away and they asked me for help cleaning out like his stuff. This is so bad. This is like a tough, a tough story to tell. You don't have to. Hey, man. No, I'd I'd like to. I mean, I think a lot of people can relate. Um, A lot of people in this spot. It's just it's how these things happen. You know, everyone's got a story like this. But um, so we went to this place to his house. Uh, Her grandmother was just like, you know, elsewhere at the time. She couldn't handle it. And I found that this guy didn't take any of the opiates that they had been prescribing him for like the last like five years of his life. Like this guy was sick and just had like, like a a double handed, one of those big dresser drawers, you know what I mean? Like full of drugs. I mean, everything from Vicodin, Percocets, some weird shit called Darvacet that like doesn't even exist anymore. Um, And then of course, like all the oxys from thirties to like actual oxy eighties, like he just got the prescriptions and filled them and left them in his drawer. And dude, I like at the time, like I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't have to take all of these. You know what I mean? Like I can just leave these. That's the responsible thing to do. But like somehow it just happened to like, I just happened to have a backpack on me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that's, that's how whimsical this decision was. It was like, I have a backpack. I might as well fill it up with these fun drugs that like I can sell and like share with my friends. Um, Yeah. Drug dealer kind of mentality, which like what you were saying too. Um, just with like that whole mentality of like being that dude then with like especially in high school when everyone's young and dumb um, of just like you're the hot shit selling everything on the block I think that definitely does something like psychologically that like some people can't get out of and it's serious for sure that was basically it it was not at all about money to me I don't I don't ever think I had more than like a hundred bucks on me like yeah it's the status it was about yeah. yeah I just wanted people to think that like like, how did Jack get these weird drugs? And mm-hmm. I'd be like, that's just me, brother. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just built different. Yeah, dude, I'm just built different. Yeah, it was at the time, like, everyone, including teachers, like, called me Captain Jack. I was like, we, I had long hair. I had a goatee somehow. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was already, like, becoming, like, this persona that, like, I was, like, excited. You know what I mean? I was, like, geeked. I was totally. like, I feel like a cool person. And, like, now I'm going to have all these drugs. And, like, everyone's going to like me. Like, that's really, like, what it was, what it was based in. Uh, what ended up happening was like, I mean, my friends and I got like really high for a few months and then like one day, like my life was just more tuned towards like doing opiates all the time. Like, okay. was, I hate opiates. I hate the way that you're, you're blessed, sure. man. The first time I tried one, it was like, it felt like everything that was wrong, like in my brain, like finally all made sense. Well, I was like, this is how I was designed to yeah, feel it's dangerous. Like, 
Yeah, it was bad. I should have known right then, mm-hmm. dude. Well, when I when I say I hate opiates, I've never done them. I've like my doctors with my anxiety and stuff have tried to prescribe me opioids, and I just can't do it because I've seen the younger generation. But when I was in high school and kind of got toward like 16, 17, 18, like I would notice the younger generation with like rap music and stuff. I mean, Trey's generation really like the the pills and everything were much more predominant. And I started hearing about these like beautiful young people that I knew that were like, you know, some guys who was a filmer for skateboarding or this and that. And like, you know, I've got hep C or my liver's messed up or this and that. that. And it's like, dude, you're not even 17 yet. What is going on? So then like, then like a lot of my friends I'd lost. So I've lost so many friends to opioids and fentanyl specifically, but it's just like so disgusting. Like I can't even like, I hate what it's done to society. yeah. Yeah. Same going, going through high school. I lost my best friend to Xanax. Like, crashed his car like Damn. just messed off off messed up off of it and like the biggest like it was like the biggest eye-opening experience to me um just because like I saw everyone else in the friend group still doing the same thing that they were doing and still doing a bunch of Xanax and like partying and stuff and it's just like I kind of stepped back and was just like this is not where it's at you know and kind of that was like that pivotal moment for me it was like I'm not going to just live my life and watch the same episode all day kind of thing, which was yeah. kind of crazy. And like, and that was, your, that's that was like your like, best, best friend. Oh, that you? was like, yeah, my day one homie. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace, Garth. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. I mean, that's, we all have our stories for sure, but it was like, it's just like that. It was such a weird, like stepping back moment of like, holy shit. You guys are still like in a sense, like, celebrating his death with like what killed him in a sense which is just like yeah. really really twisted and messed up and like it it falls under like addiction in a sense too because that's like one hell of a drug you know yeah mm-hmm. and i mean it also comes with privilege of who we are and where we are as like you know cis white males in like a uh, like a middle tier to upper tier society of where we are in, in ann arbor livonia area and stuff like that like it sucks to have um to you know be stuck in one of those situations where like that seems to be normalized like it's okay and everything and yeah like if you do get arrested <clears throat> like you know you'll just get let out yeah, slap on the wrist around here mm-hmm. that stopped happening to me after a while like there was a time when like my homies and i used to like run from the cops all the time like in cars or like on foot like they would roll up to like wherever the party was at people would run you know what i mean but like that like when you do it in like a vehicle, like yeah, that's another story. If I did that now and like got caught, dude, I'd I'd be gone for your life. Like, yeah, dude, like it was nice knowing you. Mm-hmm. But we used to do that shit casually, like drunk. You know what I mean? Like it's just like it, it, you never think about like the repercussions or consequences. And like it was it was interesting for me to realize that like not everybody grows up that way. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? A lot of mm-hmm. people grow up in such a way that like if they encounter the police, the police like beat the shit out of them like they just have bad experiences with the police and Mm -hmm. like bad experiences with the justice system like Mm -hmm. a lot of people in jail for things that they shouldn't be yeah like for instance like weed there are still people locked up for weed when like you know dispensary owners are like you know getting shout outs in the local papers yeah yeah they're like local heroes they're like like attending the city council meetings making donations and all that stuff too dude yeah there's there's nothing wrong with with them but it's it's just like like I used to live next to this place called Bloom and I believe it's got two woman owners mm-hmm. and that's what makes yep. it like special. And, and like, it just made me sick that people would say that about like those people who are like distributing marijuana. Whereas like if you're some kid, like from a place that's over policed, like you're, you're still in jail, you know, mm-hmm. it's still, it's not like, it's not like they were just let out. Like that would still be unfair if they like 
let everybody out, but like they don't have anything and others have this business. But right. no, like it's yeah. it's still going on. Like let's not beat around the bush up. too. I mean, it's totally judicial systematic racism and broken like court systems in America and 100%, everything like that. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Um, yeah, but they, they basically took away slavery and then and then put in the uh, the prison system. I actually have something really interesting to say about that. I'll keep it really quick. I yeah, promise. I've, I've been no, talking you're good. so much. No, 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 you're good, man. Um, there's somebody in this documentary that I saw called "The House I Live In." It's about addiction, but it covers like what causes it. It, it it basically hits every single nail on the head. Um, there was one part that kind of was like interesting. It's like one of those slow burns, but it's like this old dude. He looks like he's Amish or something like that. It shows him like doing his research, like books from the library. You know what I mean? Like he's like that type of dude. Um, and he says that it is the tendency of any society to victimize like the bottom 10 to 20% of that society. Um, you can look at it until like racism, you know what I mean? In Even America, the caste system in other countries. Yeah. In other countries, they just call it how they see it. It's the caste system. Like mm-hmm. if you're born an untouchable, you're just, you know, you're fucked. That's like, what you are. Better yeah. luck in the next life, brother. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But like in the U S like when, when things were like great, like, um, like the make America great again days back in like the forties and fifties and in 60s. quotations for yeah. those that are listening on Spotify. And yeah, sorry. Yeah. The, so big quotation marks there. Yeah. Like, that completely ignores the American experience for anyone who isn't a white person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? America was not so great if you were black in the 40s, bro. I promise Hell you. Hell no. Mm-hmm. You it's know not what I mean? so great like, now. Right. But, so now it's more... Um, now it's, it's not as overt as that. It's not just like, oh, you know, we're going to be racist against blacks as a society. Now it's, um, you know, like mostly the judicial system and like classism. And like drugs are just one factor of that, but it's a big indicator. You can look at... a. You know, like look at um, the way, the, like the way that they treated me. I guess to say, mm-hmm. like I never, never really got a chance. Like I mean, they send you to like fucked up like rehabs that like don't do much good, and like like they make you enter something called drug court, which just says mm-hmm. it, it just says that you have to drug test three times a week, mm-hmm. and if you fail that, then you get like a double sentence when you go to jail, and like those things don't help. It's just no. a way to like get a bunch of money out of me. Yeah, but like that's the al- that's the alternative to like actual like racism and like you know what i mean like so now it's just changed a little bit but like look how many people we have incarcerated bro there's no reason for that i mean like there are the, other the rittenhouse case yeah to get too political perfect like, example <laughs> of what just happened with kyle yeah with uh kyle rittenhouse how so how he Who's, was treated in comparison to like you know if you oh, guarantee if there's a person of if, color in the same position what the fuck is gonna happen mm-hmm. oh my god he would already be like like they probably would have just shot him on the spot the police would have they wouldn't have let mean? him like, walk through with a rifle that's yeah, wow. yeah, yeah that's for give him the thumbs up and be like well, we'll wake you up tomorrow morning to come to court yeah. jesus yeah dude it's yeah i mean those are like the obvious ones but like the the not so obvious ones like we have a a dni diversity and inclusion um Aren't group. You, don't you run that uh, my, I, I help run it. <laughs> I help run it. My coworker Ashante started it. She kind of like came to me to like literally just do like some administrative help and like write like a proposal. And like, we just found that we make a really good team. Like it's, it's her, it's her idea. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like she runs it. She will tell you that we both run it. It's that kind of, I know what you mean. it's that kind of relationship. But mm-hmm. I mean, like, this is all like new stuff to me. You know what I mean? It's not like I have like old insights and experience to like teach people besides being like, yo, I'm a junkie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, but one thing, like, this is like a really big one for me. Like I went my whole life thinking that I'm just really good at job interviews. Like every interview, every, every job that I've made it to the interview stage for, I get, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, I just thought like, 
I'm charming and like people like me and I'm funny. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. that it might be part of it, but that's like, I would not have that same luck if I weren't the color that I am or mm-hmm. the gender that I am even, mm-hmm. Very you true, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. and like when that occurred to me, it was like, that kind, that feels bad. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That feels bad. And the first I, I thing I just thought I was good at interviews. <laughs> I know, <laughs> dude. That's fucked. Up. I wanted to be able to brag about something. Yeah, the first thing that that makes me think of is like, there's some kid out there who's just like me, but like not my color, and like, but doesn't get all the jobs and can't brag about the things that I brag about. Like even though, mm-hmm. even though fundamentally we're the, the same, mm-hmm. and like that thought sucks. Like I would, I hate to think about that. And then all the. the all the people who aren't like me, who just aren't given like a, you know, a fair shot because they, you know, they grew up someplace where certain things are different and like their life experience is different. Mm-hmm. They show up to an interview and like maybe they don't trust the interviewer for good reasons. And then like the interview goes badly. It doesn't say anything about how they would perform as an employee or like their aptitude. It's just like, yo, you weren't a vibe. Like we just weren't vibing you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like that kind of stuff is like, you know, still it's just weird to think about dude mm-hmm. think about really like i'm weird, i'm yeah. not actually just good at interviews it's also like huge privilege that like has manifested jobs and careers for me like mm-hmm. that i benefited from i can't like deny like oh i haven't had privilege because you know i was arrested a bunch of times no i still have it like yeah yeah despite all that like yeah it's it's a time and time again in today's day and age yeah, yeah. and it, it seems to be one of those things where like everybody talks about that it's you know we're progressing beyond it and stuff like that but honestly from the things that i see on the news day to day it feels like we're stand, like still in the same fucking boat mm. i mean we just had trump as president and things and not to get political and honestly i don't want to make this as like what was us white guilt like we have who'd hard. you vote for bro no but you know what i mean it's just like it's just a difficult thing but that's why i love your story so much because you are somebody that i've always looked up to you're somebody that even in times when i feel weak with, with my addictions and other things like that like i can come to you and talk to you and like in our call of duty group chat like we were just laughing about this the other day it's like people are like dude there's like hundreds of messages in 15 minutes and it's usually just like me or somebody else or other people riffing off of each other and it's basically like a support group that's i coined that term thank you did thank you, you. Did. thank yeah. you everybody. and yeah. and it's it feels good but like to when me and Trey were getting this business started, I remember just like being like, okay, we need to take it to the next level. I'm struggling to manage all these clients. Our website is needs to be where it is. It's not where it is. And uh, you know, let's talk to somebody that I know about it. So I hit you up and I was like, yo, so you do this stuff, right? And you're like, I remember that that was years ago, bro. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah, bro, let's let's sit and talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. Where did, yeah, we, I mean, where did we go out to lunch? Itchy we Bomb. It, yeah, Itchy yeah, Bomb. That was, that's that right. That was right yep, next yep, to yep. where I live, dude. I think I walked there, mm-hmm. actually. <laughs> so my so it was as little lift as possible for me. I was like, let's <laughs> meet for lunch, but I'm walking there. <laughs> there you um, go. No, you know, you hit on this thing, John. Like, I've tried to make it. I kind of feel like it's, like, my actual purpose to, like, I mean, you're a friend. I would help you regardless, you know? And, like, Trey, now you're my friend after we met that day. Totally. So, like, I would help you guys with whatever. Um. But, dude, like, the big thing is, like, I didn't go to school. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, learned all this accessible stuff just from, like, needing to do it. It's kind of, like, my job to share that with other people. You know what I mean? Or, like, help however I can. Um, And especially, like, like, I had this buddy who was, like, doing this SoundCloud rap thing for a time. Like, I'm not into that scene. I can't say, like, how good he was. But, like, just kind of anyone who is, like, bold enough to actually, like, pursue their dreams, especially if it's, like, something, like, like being a SoundCloud rapper, like you get a lot of, you get a lot of hate for that. You know what I mean? Oh, sorry, I'm falling. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, never mind. He's good. Sorry. Continue. 
My bad. I didn't mean to throw you it's off my there. fault, you guys. I'm, I'm sorry. Just, <laughs> no, I'm staring at the camera and it's looking like your head's cut off, but sorry. it's just my angle. My we're, head we're does totally not feel good. cut off right now. That's not funny. That's <laughs> not funny. Cut off. that. Yeah. <laughs> cut that part. Um, but no, I just feel like it's my job to like support people who are like following their dreams. You know what I mean? Like my family certainly did it for me. Um it makes a big difference. Just even if it's just being there for someone who wants to bounce ideas off you, like that shit costs me nothing. Mm-hmm. I could spend that time scrolling on Facebook. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but for someone else, it might be like that key moment. You know what I mean? Like you just kind of have to do those things. I mean, and that and, applies to like every field too, with like whether you're in the creative field like us or like tech like you and just that those like boosts of encouragement. And like you were saying too, with like, how you you haven't gone to like school or college and at all for this like just the sole drive and like pure passion or like want to succeed in that sense um i feel like i kind of want to have or like i have that same sort of drive just in the creative realm of like yeah, you, I, I think you guys it, definitely do i think it kind of it stems from just like being afraid to fail like or like being like i don't know i just like want it so bad that it's like it's terrifying in a sense <clears throat> yeah kind of yeah it, Go ahead. I was going to say, it's just like, so one of the most important things and why I thought you'd be a great guest is just because like, I've known you for this long and I've seen the accomplishments that you make. Like, I remember the first day we met, you were like, yo, I just got out of jail, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, <laughs> I was like, tight. This guy's pretty cool. I guess he's 17 years old. He's pretty funny. And you're like, yo, check out this tattoo. I just did it with a staple and graphite I did, and toothpaste. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I, did, yeah. I can't Fire. believe you remember the ingredients in that. Yeah. Oh, I remember. Cause that's you told an, me that's brain, an authentic jail tattoo. My brain went like, I was like, this is, I've never fucking heard of anything. For the record, it was not like a prison sentence. I was there for 45 (laughs) days and it was just that boring. It's not not like some gang shit. It was like, I wonder if I could do tattoos in here. Well, just being like, okay, so I'm 17. We we meet. Then beyond that, like, we have this manager who, like, honestly, I thought was going to be the demise of me. And I thought she was going to be the demise of both of us. And she was telling her you said that, bro. She's going to see it. Please watch this podcast, Rachel. Yeah, but then it turns out it's just like, okay, so then, you know, I moved on to serving tables and doing all that other stuff, but you continue to move up the ranks in managerial aspects. But then on top of that, like you also like showed and proved who you were and like what you're capable of. And then the manager that I thought was like way above me in like, you know, I thought was like hated us and everything, you know, now you guys are dating. And then beyond that, you guys are engaged. And like, there's just like a whole power dynamic flip that when I was like young age, I was like, okay, so this is where you're at in society. This is where I'm at. And then beyond that, like it, it scales and you continue to grow naturally. And it's insane too with like, I, cause I like not to get too weird about it, but with the amount of money that you make, the amount of people that you're helping and like the, the positive influence that you have on other people's life, like you, that was in you the whole time. And it's just like, you kind of just continued to step up those ladders and get to where you are in life. You know, if, if I'm onto something here. He yeah. loves you is what he's saying. <laughs> he just Well, it's supposed just, to be more just of like, say the L word, bro. <laughs> well, I do love you, bro. I got ma- hella man love for both of you guys. But the thing about it is it's like it's the same thing with Trey because Trey, when we first started um getting to, you know, work together and getting to know each other on a, a professional basis, you told me a couple of things. One was you never wanted to work for anybody ever again besides yourself. And I was mm-hmm. like, Okay, good luck. And then now he's just like still <laughs> killing it. Cause like I had, didn't have, I wasn't in that mindset of that being a possibility. And then two, we, there were times when I'd be like, yo, let's go do this or do that. And you're like, bro, that costs money. And I was like, yeah, what about it? Like, let's go do it. And you're like, I'm trying to save money. Let's go work instead. And I'd be like, bro, 
you're going to work yourself to death. And, and you said something along the lines of like, you start off every day with $0 in your pocket. Well, that too. But no, you said, you were like, bro, we can, because it was specifically one time when we were going to go on our friend's boat. And you were like, we can go on a boat later, but it's going to be us on a yacht. You're like, we can go on a boat now or we can go Yo. on a yacht later. No, no, it's like, yeah, what is I'm trying to, you said, he said, I'm trying to be on a, I'm not trying to be on a yacht by myself. I'm yeah. trying to be on multiple yachts with all my friends, but exactly. that's not going to happen if all my friends are broke. So exactly. So Damn. like, it's like getting underneath Damn. people and lighting a fire under their ass and encouraging them and trying to lift them and stuff like that. I think it's just, cause really... I mean, being on a yacht by yourself is only so fun. I mean, yeah. you start twiddling your I... tum, your, your thumbs at a certain point, but, Mm-hmm. You got your I'm, I'm getting that tattooed on my other arm next time I go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> so never. Cool. <laughs> yeah. um, knock on wood. I would knock on this, but it's it's. Oh yeah. There you go. Um, I love that. But yeah, so to kind of get back more into like, I mean, if I feel like we should move on and go back to kind of some more of the CRM and stuff like that. But if there's anything else that you guys want to say on these subjects, like you know, you can just. I go mean, for it. I kind of wanted to, yeah, like. One thing I feel very strongly about is that there are so many kids who are out there like working at like, you know, the pot bellies or the pieologies or the barbecue spots, you know, just like just like us, like with the same the same aptitude and stuff. Those environments aren't conducive for people like that. I remember I mean, I basically like I, you know, I didn't necessarily get like abused, but like people definitely treated me like my like positivity was like something I had to like fucking dial down for like the shifts and like oh yeah stop being weird mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i mean i just said i felt that way when I mean, we first started working together yeah I thought it was gonna like, get me in trouble <laughs> i mean i did get us in a lot of trouble all the time like but also yeah i mean yeah like part of it is like we were just like goofing like for a lot of it like getting girls numbers and stuff like that like that's just like you shouldn't do that but like also yeah. like you know people would really hate on like the parts of us that are shining now mm-hmm. and like there are kids who are out there who like i want everybody to know that like a good career is possible without school and like, you know, without all that stuff, fuck your boss. Like he doesn't know shit about he or she doesn't know shit. Like when they say that, like, you know, when they yell at you and like make you feel bad over your, you know, $10 an hour job, like don't let that shit get to you. Cause like it, it got to me often. Like I was so pissed and like, fortunately, like I was able to like lean on my family. Like they're all like software people and you know, they had already succeeded. Like when I was still getting started um, a lot of people don't have that and they just think that like their boss says they're a fuck up and like their boss is probably just right start to believe that. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like a trickle down, like into the ditch effect. Right. I, exactly. I, agree. I fucking hate that, bro. That's that is I, so wrong. Like those, those environments are literally like, I'm not trying to knock anyone who thrives in those environments, but in my, <laughs> but <laughs> in my experience, like they're, they're not designed to allow people to succeed. Like they're designed to keep people down. And like keep them manageable. And well, like, I mean, yeah, that's like with all the like minimum wage wage jobs, it's like that's dude, all that. And then like and way then, more common than in like the higher up kind of positions. And but like to get to those higher up positions is like that much harder, you know? Yeah, and you got to take a hit and like le- go back to school or something like that. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? It's just it doesn't feel accessible. And it like my first office job, I got that shit off Craigslist. Like it was like a sketchy. I don't even want to get into it, but it was like a sketchy operation. But like I learned how to use like. All the, the Google Suite, you know what I mean? Like, all that mm-hmm. stuff. We and love like a, Google Suite. Oh, yeah, we, we do, too. Um, but, yeah, and then I like I was doing, like, HR and, like, digital support, and, like, I started writing, like, training manuals for, like, overseas employees and, like, doing, like, software breakdowns and stuff. And then, like, from there, I was like, damn, I'm kind of good at writing. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try doing marketing. Fuck it. 
Mm-hmm. Like that's that's like how I got into it, the abridged version. But like, <clears throat> yeah, I just feel for all those people out there. I wish that you know it was it was stress. The other thing is like during COVID, they gave out what, like it's three hundred dollars a week or something like that, and people 600. are. Now, yeah, now it's 300. Depending on your it situation. Was yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. But, like, I think now it's 300. And people are still saying, like, no one wants to work. And, like, to me, like, there are a lot of small businesses that are trying to find people. And, like, that sucks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's that's legit. But, like, when people, like, at McDonald's, they're like, oh, no one wants to come work for us. Like, if your business is so predatory that, like, an yeah, offer of 300. Multi-billion dollar yeah, corporation. 300 extra dollars for your employees a week. Like, that's equal to what? Like a couple bucks pay raise. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if that alone is enough to make people <clears throat> abandon you, like you should reassess your business. You know what I mean? Like 300 bucks a week could not take me from my job. You know what I mean? Like they you just think of how little of a percent that actually is like in the grand scheme of things for a company like McDonald's, you know, like it's probably yeah. like a 0.005% of their like total income. It's like if nothing. they were to rate, yeah, it's just, well, it, it's it falls nothing. back on two things. One of them being the consumer will always take the 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 butt of the damage when it comes to money, you know, when it comes to like inflation or other things like As that. As opposed to the business, you As mean? As opposed to the CEOs and the shareholders yeah. taking a pay cut because that'll never happen. They're never going to do that. You know, mm-hmm. they're at their, their threshold. Why will they give any less? And then it also comes down to the second thing, which falls right into the first thing, which is it's unskilled labor. Quote unquote. Yeah, it, I mean, I'm telling you, I work so much harder in restaurants oh, than I dude, do today. Totally. It's bullshit. It is oh, not yeah. unskilled labor, bro. No. Like that, it's serving it's tables bad. is a workout. Like, dude, <laughs> yeah, you know dude. how much like, I've even gained weight since I started working in offices. Like, <laughs> dude, I don't. Not to yeah, get too much, but like lidocaine, Vaseline, everything oh you God. need. You got you like John had to stay lubed up on yeah, the court. You're chafing, <laughs> like you got like eighteen thousand steps in a day. I'm just walking around like, oh my God. Like I got steps, yeah, I got it's hard work. heel. It, it's yeah, it is hard work. I think like if uh you know, if CEOs and politicians were expected to do that regularly, like I don't actually think they would change their minds on it, but I, I would just like to see them try to do that anyway. Like Yeah. Well they're Imagine a, a congressperson like trying to like take a break. First of all, they're like, too get back damn, to work. There's another table. They're too damn old to do any of that stuff, anyways. So it's 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 well, just like it's it's yeah. mind boggling too. Like when you meet some higher up people, or you're like with some group of individuals that are like owners of for like just higher up individuals of like companies that you'd think are like coherent and like can hold a conversation, but like these people still are like so dense and like just spacey. <laughs> you know, I mean, not everyone yeah. obviously, but like you run into a handful where it's like. It's solely on opportunity, like, yep. and just, yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Not, it's not through like because they're smarter than you or like had a better totally. plan than you, yeah. or have more mm-hmm. ambition or drive. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of based on who you know and like, yeah. and it also usually falls down on the privilege. You know, exactly. Yeah. Um. So, when you started getting to work with Nutshell, like what were you first doing? Cause I remember you, you did this split thing with like GDI and then Nutshell and then like you moved fully over to Nutshell, right? Yeah, it was, it was, um, I guess looking back on it, it was kind of just like a long transition period. Like, um, it wasn't G there. It's GDI and info ready. And mm-hmm. I was doing marketing for them. They're like a young edu- uh, software company for like the education sector. Um, and their product is really dope. Like a lot of universities use it. Like, you know, it's a cool place to work, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nutshell's opportunity for me was, like, doing the exact kind of marketing that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It was, like, content and SEO and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I had uh, I had actually vetted Nutshell as a CRM for a company that I was working for. 
And can you say, what do you mean by vetted? I don't understand. I like the company needed a CRM. So I like chose three and then like started trials of them and like made a recommendation. Which was nutshell. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It was a really good product. I was a (laughs) fan. I was a fan long before I worked there. Um, the company didn't buy the CRM, but I stayed like subscribed to the newsletters and I like actually like read the blog and like got like advice from the nutshell blog that I now write for. Um, full circle. It's pretty tight. It was. Yeah, it was. So like when I saw the nutshell was hiring, like I was just like, dude, I have to, I have to try to like get this job. Like this is an awesome place to work. Um, and the position was part time. Uh, my boss, Ben Goldstein was approximately in the position that I am now. Mm-hmm. A little, a little bit higher when he hired me, but still, like he was managing content and stuff like that. Um, he's now the VP of marketing, okay. and uh, so like he's crushing it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was there two two days a week, and we were kind of just like waiting for like marketing budget to like be finalized. There were a lot of weird things that happened. Like we had like a a live event that like took a lot of planning, um, and then like our head of growth at the time like left for another opportunity. So, like, it was hard to, for me to be like, hey, by the way, like, hire me. Like, make me full time. <laughs> so, like, that was kind of just, like, constantly getting pushed to, like, the back burner. Um, so, I stuck around at InfoReady for a little bit. Um, then they hired, like, some people to uh, to actually, like, do their marketing stuff. They just didn't need me anymore. And so, like, I consulted for them when they needed me. And, like, uh, you know, just, like, helping them, like, just do random stuff that, like, typically, like, I was the only person who did. Like, I just, like showed everybody else how to do those things. Mm-hmm. And now they've taken it like even further than like what I was doing. So it was just kind of like a big, long transition. It wasn't, you know, one big long cross dissolve out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I understood that reference. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and like when you first got into nutshell, um, there was something, there was something there. Um, did I suck at marketing? No, I actually didn't. (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay. I remember what it was. So during the whole entire switch of COVID and everything like that, I remember me and Trey were trying to curate our brand. And one of the things that me and Trey struggled with when we were doing it was like how to represent ourselves as a, as a company. And I remember when we first started, even with TSLC productions and when we first started with drop, one of the things that, um, we had more difficulty doing was just like showing people who we actually were. We wanted to keep ourselves not necessarily faceless, but uh, more professional and kind of take our faces out of it and not really have like a social media, like people knew us as individual characters. And I remember when we were talking to you, you were just like, okay, well that's unfortunately not really like what people gravitate to. (laughs) And you were just like people. That is what I said. Yeah. Yeah. You said something along the lines of like, you have to have a face because people have to know that they can trust you. Like if, if you're just one of those companies that is like faceless, like they're going to think that they're talking to like some big corporation versus like a, a company where like, you know, you can trust that people understand where they're coming from. And, you know, and you said something too during COVID, you're like, people just are so sick of corporations just fucking them. Oh, I wrote a, I wrote an article about that. And in fact, a year ago today, Thanksgiving night, well, not mm. today, but like a year ago, Thanksgiving, um, I wrote that and published it Thanksgiving morning. It was like full of feeling and stuff because like, you know, it was Thanksgiving and everyone was at home, like in front of their Zooms and stuff. Um, yeah, what I said to you guys is something that Ben Goldstein, actually, our VP, um, like it, it said to me. And it was just like one of those moments where like the sky fucking opens up. He said, like, the goal of sales is to be a trusted advisor rather than a seller. Mm-hmm. You only buy from people who you trust their advice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like 
you can't achieve that if like you sign your emails like you know the drop creative corporation you know what i mean like people Mm want to talk to you and they want to get to know you and like you guys are likable people you're not scam artists or anything you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. that's a selling point that's like a yeah it's like a whole angle um yeah i i guess that's that's that but yeah the thing that i wrote was about like now like um so like gen zers and stuff like that like they uh they interact with brands all the time. They get they're they're online all the time. They get ads. They get newsletters. You know what I mean? Like they they see through that shit way more than like our parents do. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more cynical. But like if they see you know like me out there, for instance, not that not that I don't represent Nutshell at all. We have wonderful salespeople who do that. But like if they see like you know a human out there, like it makes it much easier for them to oh yeah you know make a make a decision based off the fact yeah, that like here's have a, a real conversation with them right and, like exactly personable conversation or like be fun with it you know right people are way more adept to like you and trust your brand i i agree yeah. totally and i think with nutshell too that was a huge selling point for me because not only did i put jack's face to it but like like i knew i was like oh also okay. eric dude well that's what well, i'm about to get eric. into so like when i first started and we were looking at it and i mean we were just like okay so what are we going to do especially when we kind of did this as COVID was starting up and I was like, I need to make sure that we need our clients are all kept in contact with yada, 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 this and that. And I can still, you know, keep everything in a tightly wound spool where it needs to be. Who do I go to Jack? And then Jack's like, okay, well I can help you this far. But beyond (laughs) that, like if you have any other questions, you need to set up a Skype call with who, who is Jared? Jared is our lead account executive. Exactly. Yeah. He's the lead account executive. And then I literally call this dude and he's just like, Oh, what are you doing right now? And I was like, I'm free. (laughs) And he's just like, all right, let's hop on a zoom call. And like, let's go over it piece by piece. And it's just like, what the hell? How do you, what is the customer service on? What is this? So then he said in a zoom call and then like, he's literally going over each individual part of, um, nutshell how I can utilize that CRM in the best way possible. And I had like two or three Zoom calls with this guy that were like an hour long. And he basically just showed me everything in and out and how to utilize it in the best way possible. And I was just like, dude, how is this happening from a dude who's got executive at the end of his name? Dude, he's, well, he's customer a, service. But he's, yeah. like, he's like company leadership. My man has like 10 years of experience. And how many sales. people are at this company? Oh, 20, it's a, 25, 20. It's, it's a decently sized company. It's decently sized. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah we have two... Uh, two salespeople it's jared and nicole mm-hmm. um it's a shame you didn't get to talk to her as well because she's you know mm-hmm. i think they, i might have talked to her talked to her more than once or twice not yeah, in, not yeah. i can't put her face to it's, her I, i'm i'm not exactly sure how the queue works but like you know you get one or the other and you know that's that's usually like your person mm-hmm. you get their emails and stuff like that um but yeah that's what they do like they are just like genuine trustworthy people and like most of like their sales stuff like it's not like Wolf of Wall Street, like, you know, mm-hmm. hitting them with a pitch and like the Gary Vaynerchuk show one, me two this punch. Pen. Yeah. Yeah. No, they just show people how to use the product and they're like, what are you as a business trying to do? And you tell them and they're like, damn, if I were you, I would set nutshell up like this. Mm-hmm. I'd have your pipeline be five stages. I'd have mm-hmm. a second pipeline for that. And like people just, they, they fucking love that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's so different from like what, you know, Salesforce and HubSpot customers get like, I would know I was a HubSpot customer. I'm Mm -hmm. HubSpot certified on God knows what, you know what I mean? Like, and you don't get that. Like you, you know, they tell you whatever they need to tell you to make a sale. And then they're like, right, call support, man. Mm -hmm. Like I don't got time for this, man. (laughs) Or you get put through to someone like that's just no help at all. Yeah. 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 A lot of companies. So also like 
Uh, dude, I'm just bragging about Nutshell. That was not. I'm even wearing a Nutshell shirt. Bro. <laughs> nice. This was not why I not came not here, bro. Sponsored by Nutshell yet. <laughs> yeah, yet maybe. Oh, um, let's go ten percent. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like our support team is like they're from Ann Arbor. They work in the office and at home. Like they they answer calls and literally just like listen to people and like help them do what it is they want to do. We don't outsource that shit. We don't have like a long queue or like a you know, bots that try to email you, like, does this solve your problem? Like you call support and like a human answers and they hang up when you're done with that problem. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like we have a lot of stuff that makes us unique, like from, from our salespeople to the way that I work as a marketer to like our support team. And then our products obviously is fucking dope. So, and it looks good. It's got a beautiful UI, like everything about it's nice. That's that's, really, it's just like, it's like the best organizational tool for like the back end client management stuff, at, at least for our per use case and just like tracking projects on completion and stuff. So and that's it, been like the biggest helpful is this from ours. Is this a big advertisement you guys? I mean, no. it's kind of, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so I'm one of the things about being like, a, and, and this is where we, you know, we talk film and photo, but this is also industry. This is our mm-hmm. industry talk right here. And yeah. I think, one of the things too that I and this is for people who might have a CRM already, or for people who are using Microsoft Excel as a CRM, because oh that was God, one of the dude. things that I specifically asked you. I was like, "Can I just use Excel?" And you were like, "If you're a loser, <laughs> no." But I think I actually threw my phone when you said that. <laughs> no, Thirty seconds like, later, I picked it up. And <laughs> they've got like the white glove service is what they call it, like a butler. So like you can literally just give them all your data, and they'll just plug it all in for oh, you. Wow. Yeah. So like That's that clutch. was also helpful when I was like trying to. To, to navigate our clients and stuff like that. I actually never used it because I didn't have our data anywhere else besides in my phone and in our emails beforehand. But like if I <laughs> did scraps of paper, you're, you're in like the, the ideal customer. Like, <laughs> well, if I did have it on um like an Excel, like just to transfer it over, it's like, it's, it's a breeze. It's possible. Yeah. But yeah, we're talking about this because like video and photo, like especially mm-hmm. when you're running your own business, I mean, it's just as much creating content and like making cool photos and videos as it is like, the business side of it, dealing with clients, like sending out those emails, making sure you're marketing. Like there's just so many different steps to it that no one really accounts for. So it's valid information to, yeah. to know. I mean, I did, I definitely didn't know I was signing up for all these roles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hell no. It's oh, like yeah, that yeah. meme where it's like, I didn't want to work at nine to five. Now I work 24 seven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, that's, and, that's like our ideal, um, like the the thing about nutshell, like it's for like small businesses and like operations like your like like drop creative, you know. Um, but like the customers that we get, like once they sign up, they they rave about us. You know what I mean? Because it's oh, like yeah. they go for it, it's not like for huge organizations that want Salesforce installed and it costs literally hundreds of thousands per year. You know what I mean? Like we mm-hmm. we do everything that you would ever think of, like almost everything that Salesforce does even for way cheaper and like people get that and they're just blown away like it it pretty much sells itself like you know our our sales pitch is just like yo trust us like (laughs) we got this we'll make your business better dude you also have like a free trial and everything too so that's what really sold me because i got into it and i got into where i needed to be and i was like wait this is actually super helpful because not only is it a client relations management tool but it's also a project management tool like Mm -hmm. i can tell exactly where we are along our projects and if somebody who's a producer or is really into you know project management like being able to exactly know where you are on a project even if it hasn't moved for like two months be it on your end scheduling or because of the client's end like it's 
really, really helpful. And it's kind of necessary to just make sure that everything's good because there are times when like, you know, we're working with a client, be it like pitching an ad or doing something like that. And we're just kind of waiting for them to make a move, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'll get a ping and it'll be like, yo, this client hasn't been touched in this. I mean, when you're dealing with like four and five, four and five clients too at a time, like it's hard to keep track of like, Oh yeah. Oh wait, I haven't emailed so-and-so. Somebody back. But then if I have it in my leads and in my leads, like that project is still open, I can just immediately see like all the projects that we're working on, exactly what stage we are and it's synced to the Gmail. So when I click on that project, it'll tell me exactly where we just left off in our last communication point, who was talking to who, all their phone numbers. And I think one of the most useful things too is when we were doing like press releases and other things like that, like getting contacts, entering them into my Rolodex and then just being able to like, if I'm trying to staff like a Mm -hmm. shoot, I can just type in like, cam op like i've got trey but like if i can't cam op who are the other cam ops that we know Mm -hmm. who is our grippers and gaffers like who are our pas who are these people and as a and as a producer that stuff helps a lot just to make sure that everything's all in one place totally but i didn't even think of it like that like for staffing your own yeah well i mean because yeah our crews fluctuate and like expand and Mm despand like per project so it's super i'm gonna write that article next bro (laughs) yeah i mean especially too when we were doing press releases like i would enter like all this press and i would have like exactly what region or what um like uh tabloid not tabloid but you know what journal they worked for or whoever and Mm -hmm. it was just nice to be able to just be like okay i can fire off these emails to this person and that person and um i just think it's super important to as a producer stay as organized as possible because if you don't, like things are going to start slipping and your client's going to notice. Yeah. So John definitely deals with Nutshell and like the CRM way more than I do. I know how to look at stuff on there and that's about it. Um, but I wanted to just touch on Milanote real quick, like kind oh, of the yeah. CRM, but like for creative stuff that really helps me out. Um, it's basically just like this board service, like a, like a board. Um, it's an I.O. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you will, um, of basically just like project organization. Cause like when you are dealing with like four and five clients, like, and you're dealing with pre-production on each one of those where there's storyboards and like you're in all those separate phases, um, this tool kind of just like lays it all out for you. So I have all my different boards of like the different projects that we all have going and like, you can check them off when they're done and stuff. But you can click into each individual board and from there you can make pre-production templates, shot lists, you can make call sheets. Oh wow. Um, Everything. Like you can do like just mood boards and stuff like for the very beginning stages and everything that are like really helpful. Um, and just having it all centralized in one place I think is like the most valuable thing because I mean I've been like spread out where you're trying to fish and find something like that you were working through on the drive. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> yeah, Google drive like, or Dropbox can get like super clunky or not clunky, but just like thick, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Totally. But yeah, Milanote, I can't, I can't vouch for enough of like the creative aspect of what we're kind of talking about here. Um, so and, yeah. and it literally looks like this, like we sign it and it's drop and it's got like boom, 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 whatever folders labeled. Like if we got immersive info, intro, this, that, all this stuff. And then you click into it and it brings you into it. And then beyond that, you've got all your other notes and it's all drag and drop with arrows. You can just keep diving farther. You can drop your documents into it. So I can drop Mm -hmm. a document into it and then Trey can then download that document straight from that um, server space. And it's it's just, it's it's really nice. Cause one big like pre-production, like moldable and like flexible packet, if you will. And everything's drag and drop. So for, as for like people who work in premiere and in Photoshop and other things like that, it's, it's basically the same UI and like you can drag and drop photos, this put captions that, and just build like these big 
It's like spider webs. Yeah, it's like it's the spider cool. web with the whiteboard yeah. and the corkboard and everything, but it's all electronic and it really helps on the creative side. Yeah, yeah. I think they have some free trials too. We yeah, get that them to sponsor like a... the podcast too. Ten <laughs> percent off, Millenel baby. <laughs> well, that sounds like a must-have, dude. I've never heard of this, but that like it's good. It's, it's like, like when you find that piece of software that is just perfect for what you do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's tight. I mean, because I like I I have like on my desk like sticky notes and stuff all over trying to remember, but like this is like your digital sticky note board that you can kind of just like dive really deep into it and like expand on these sticky notes. So, And if people don't know already, Trey's a very visual person. It's not like he specializes in anything or anything like that. I I couldn't tell. (laughs) Yeah, but I've never seen any of the videos. So like with your organization skills, like visual is super important. So just have everything laid out in front of you and being Mm -hmm. able to navigate through it is super helpful. Oh yeah. Um, I got to rock a 10-1, and I think when we come when we come back from that, I want to talk to Jack more about like marketing. Yeah, let's take a 10-1 break. What is I'm due for that, too, because I just drank this whole coffee. It means a All right, I'm gonna... You guys can Google 10-1 <laughs> if you don't know. <laughs> You'll never figure out what a 10-3 is. Whoa. Okay, we're settling back in after some 10-1s. Um, so three 10-1s. Yeah, three 10-1s. Three baby. 10-1s don't get yeah. confused with a 10-3, though. We didn't 10-3. <laughs> um, so the thing about it, is uh, I want to talk with Jack a little bit more about marketing because one of the things that we struggle with when it comes to marketing is just tracking ROI, how to convince the client, you know, that what product that we're advertising to them is going to help their business. Cause like a lot of people, they're like, Oh, I want to spend the money up front when like, how, how are we going to show return on investment? Cause like with YouTube analytics and other things like that, it gets a little, it's there. But also just being like, yo, you guys need this, and this is how we're going to help you with video. And I mean, is, I know you can't this, speak do on... Do you want me to answer this question right now? Is it? Or? Yeah, I mean, I just want to kind of go into like some of your marketing techniques and how you track and do other things like that. Yeah, what you described is kind <clears throat> of where sales meets marketing. Um, think of marketing as like, I mean, I don't want to use the marketing funnel as an example because that's so obvious. But like... Marketing is like you publish something on your website or social media or whatever. And like it makes a bunch of impressions on people. Mm -hmm. Um, Like your blog posts are so like ours at nutshell. We pride ourselves on writing stuff that like is like a guide, like how to do this or like clearing this thing up, like the sales, like misconception or whatever. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that, that people are going to read and be like, huh? Um, yeah, you're a we, huge voucher for for writing blogs and to boost engagement and all that. Yeah, that's I mean, something it, that we just like. It works can't. when I do it. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I have you can a, do it. it I just comes big, a time thing. Yeah, and I can't write for shit. It so. it does take. I mean, I've written some posts in like a couple hours because it's been in my brain for so long. Other posts like take like, you know, I'll I'll keep taking cracks at it over the course of like a month, and then you know what I mean. Like, totally. Yeah. And so it's like. It's not one of those things like speed is basically irrelevant. Um, but so like your man, I forget. <laughs> Sorry, <about laughs> I forget where I was going with this. No, it's all good. So like your uh, like our blog stuff, we just want someone to be able to be like, oh, this is the guide on win back emails, which is like what you were talking about, like your cold leads and stuff. Like we have that Ben wrote or he might have worked with a freelancer, but like Ben oversaw that. And like it's a piece of content. People see it. We want them to print it off and like put it on their desk and use it as like, this is how I can do my job. You know what I mean? That's the type of content we write. And it stands to reason most people who like, even our best case scenario, like they, 
they get the content, they print it off, they do it at their desk, they they follow it religiously. They're not necessarily going to buy Nutshell, you know what I mean? Or even start like the trial. Mm-hmm. They might not even be that person. They might not even have the authority to do that. Um, but after doing that enough, like that's where people start to filter through and they do start to hit that trial button. Um, and especially if they see something in the blog post that's like, you know, by the way, Nutshell helps you do this. We have win back templates that you can just upload and then boom, they're in there. Um, so just using like blog posts, blog posts in a form of like, kind of like underweaving um, without or like underweaving yeah. your sales in a sense without like blatantly being like buy my product exactly yeah and like that give like blog posts give you the opportunity because you can just write about anything and like your cases like tutorials and like how to do certain things and like mm-hmm. hey obviously we have this product that's works great with this or like is your problem solver so right. Am yeah, I the only person who doesn't read those ever? Blogs? No, well, I mean, not, not blogs, but like people send out emails and stuff like that, like with a company or like it, something where you just get what I would consider junk mail. It, and then I mean, you got to be like a fan. Like you would probably read it if... Yeah, like American Damn, Cinematographer, I, I read their posts and stuff. Like I just their yeah, magazine and like, stuff, like their articles and all of that. Like stuff that's of interest, obviously, and like people who are interested in marketing and stuff, I'm sure would find those like juicy articles and stuff and like really get a kick out of those so right it's kind of just your market i would say yeah and that's like your your the stuff that you read they're not writing just like how to diet or like how to live your life like they're Mm -hmm. writing shit that like you're thinking about regularly and here's Mm -hmm. someone else talking about it so Mm -hmm. it's like same with like drop creative for instance like your market would be like cinematographers and like people who are interested in like the visual uh, creative arts and stuff like that like that's you know who you guys would be writing for and, you know, hopefully, like, if you write good stuff, they would read it and be like, damn, this was insightful. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to become customers. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's, that's that at least... growing a- that insight and that, like, credibility is going is gonna to what is what is going to, like, in result turn to, like, clients. Right. Yeah. And it's, um you know, it's, it's a bit of fine-tuning. We're still fine-tuning Nutshell because we came out with... Um, like, we're fine-tuning our message for the longest time. Like, and when I joined, we were just the CRM. And so we would just write sales stuff and like sales tactics and how, you know, how to sell this. And like, mm-hmm. um, and now we launched our email marketing product. It's like an add on type deal. Um, and it lets you rather than just doing like the automated email sequences and stuff like that, it lets you like design like, um, excuse me, all that vaping, bro. <laughs> it lets you, it lets you design like graphical, um, like newsletter style emails that are, you know, you can change the colors, add pictures, formatting text, buttons, stuff like that. Literally like the monthly newsletters that you would read, John, mm-hmm. maybe not so much. <laughs> I got to start reading these <laughs> things, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm missing out on a bunch of stuff. Apparently it's, I mean, if they're well, targeted, like, think of, right. like how like the New York post is like their emails are sent out. Like it doesn't look like an email from like you or I, you know, yeah, it's like right. formatted all fancy and yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Trey, you get it, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah you get yeah. it. We, uh, yeah, we it, often, it, it engages the audience for sure. That's not just like a blank mm-hmm. text on, and one of the things, so, so I mean, now, think of like so, a think of like an H and M ad or like a clothing ad that you click on. It's not just like a. That's a great example, actually. Yeah, yeah. You know? like, um, but yeah, so now we launched that. So now our customers can do that. They can send those types of emails as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means know. that like we're writing, we're writing like marketing email content now. You know what I mean? It's tough because mm-hmm. we've got like the two funnels, two marketing funnels. It's not just like talk about sales until someone presses the request a demo button um, or the, the free trial button. I'm sorry. We don't have a demo button. 
um, that's called a CTA, like call to action, mm. like whatever your button is. When people click on it, it's called a conversion. So like you can write great blogs that get read a lot, but they don't convert. And that means that like your, you know, your business is not making money off your marketing. Um, so yeah, now we have two funnels. We've got like the, the email marketing funnel and then also like the CRM funnel. The CRM funnel is great. You know what I mean? We've been doing that forever, but like now we're trying to break into like this, this new space and like let people know, like, you know, all the CRM stuff that like, you know, and love from nutshell is also available as this add on. Like it's, it's tough. And like, it's mostly been like the VP, like figuring this stuff out. Like it's like, you know, big overarching like direction stuff. Like who do we talk to now when we write and like Mm -hmm. what content do we cover? Um, I'm doing a bit of that, but like that's, that's mostly a Ben thing, but yeah. I forget what you said that even made me say all this. But but anyways, yeah, it's it's just about targeting and okay, yeah, it's insightful. Kind of want to touch on some fun stuff. I mean, we've talked a lot about about <laughs> nutshell and about CRMs and all yeah, that, yeah. like yeah, that juicy stuff. Um, I want to. John's told me a little bit that you're pretty interested in it and stuff, but I just wanted to hear your take on uh, the overarching metaverse and like NFTs oh, and stuff. Man. Cause I just sold my first NFT yesterday. Oh, so you yeah. did? I did. Yeah. But tell yeah. me it wasn't like a shitty avatar of like a uh, monkey no. smoking a cigarette <laughs> yeah, or eight, some shit. Eight, eight bit. <laughs> <laughs> Those are going for like half a million dollars. I know, wait, bro, wait. It blows my mind, dude. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, I released a, a collection of four pieces. Um, they're poster children, if you will, or that's the title of them. Um, but basically just some graphic design work that I've done over the years and kind of did you decided to get my already? um no i actually i think i might have two left uh maybe three though i, know, right, let me I know get those they're, they're all sold i got them <laughs> sold out <laughs> um but yeah i just like decided to get my feet wet with that i mean i saw people making some some crazy stuff a couple friends of mine are like big into like actually just collecting them and then like reselling them uh they're not actually artists themselves but at least in that realm right. um but uh but yeah, that's it's just a weird realm that I fully don't understand completely. But I was like, yeah, let's try it out. I mean, everyone's doing the thing. Hop on that band bandwagon. Yeah, I don't understand it at all. But yeah. I think that you would be good at it. Cause, yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's your art falls in the the digital realm of of all that. But like the thing, like you're saying, like everyone's making like just these avatars, like a monkey smoking a that's, cigarette, that's and like it's like what? Literally, the, why? the only NFTs that I've seen are yeah, just, or like, just like this dumbass shit. Eight bit character, <laughs> like just, head of a character or something, or like you buy a, a foot of something. And it's like, dude, the eight bit ones kill me. It's like, bro, this is like 350 pixels, bro. Like you, <laughs> right. paid, you paid how many hundreds for this, dude? It's like. It's well, it comes down to, in my opinion, the, the utility, and I don't see any utility in any of that. And I, mean, I don't it's just, understand how it makes sense. It's the collectability and rarity, in a sense. Dude, I'm not even like, what if I take an NFT and I change the color of like five pixels on it? Can I just use that? Well, I think it, you know what I mean? Like, that's not that's not what you and did like anyways. classified it as it's as my a, own, it's my own one. It's a monkey. I think, I think that might mo- get a little sticky. This is a monkey smoking a green cigarette. Bro. <laughs> green cigarette game. Like, yo, this is the V-Reg NFT right here. Baby. I'm sure you could get away with some like quick like, shit like that. How tight like, is like, like, like the, know, the copyright like, enforcement? Until you get slammed with a, that's what a I'm lawsuit th- that like, no you, lawyers understand what to even do with. Exactly. Like, Ooh, what is this? <laughs> yeah, like I don't understand how. Like from what I understand about like the. Um, like the way that like digital art works and stuff like that. Like you can't just steal a piece of art, 
but it's like as, a copyright in right, a sense, you know. But as soon as you do stuff to it, then like it's cre- your own creative license because it's like you're. I think it's covered under like parody or something like that. But I it's, think it's like, there's like a percent rule to that as is well. There? I don't know if actually, it's. I don't know if it's. Is there actually a episode about this last night with dumb Starbucks? Yeah, I don't. Be, I, is it? 40% oh, I remember or, dumb yeah, Starbucks, it's, bro. It's ten percent. Only ten percent. It's like ten percent. Of it, it. it has to be ten percent different from the original create. Well, like, you also have to sh- you also have to somehow establish yourself as like a parody artist. So like there has to be like a backing of, of, of you to fall on where it's like you didn't just do it this one time and like that's what the whole episode of Nathan Fuse is about because like he sets up all like those fake art galleries to like solidify his his court. <laughs> like if he were to go to court, they could use that as arguments and stuff like that. So oh, I should rewatch that. Yeah, that was hilarious. That dude's a genius. But yeah, like the the NFT thing is just it's. I don't understand it. Actually, I don't like, understand the. Big I, you can explain it to it. me. I can explain it to others in a way that makes sense. But like, at its core, like I just, I just don't get it, dude. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't get why people are going crazy for them. I mean, they know more than I know, obviously. But like, people are paying like actual like tens. millions. Yeah, I know people. Who, I know NFTs. people who are making a bunch of money off of NFTs too. Like um, this photographer that I know, her name's Eve. She sold like a, a few NFTs, and she's got like you know three or four Ethereum coins in the bank. Just like, oh, I just NFT'd my work that would just be sitting on Instagram. And then, you know, like people notice oh, it. Oh, wow, like, yo, dude. They're like, yo, I'll take that. And then boom, next thing you know, you got a bunch of Ethereum in your in your Coinbase. And you're just like, and it's just, That's so it's strange weird. to me. It's weird like, too how like Twitter is like the main like that's, outlet that's where for I NFTs. See yeah. And like, yeah. It's yeah, if you Discord don't have a Twitter, too. apparently you can't really do it. No, you right. can. I mean, it's it's all just... <laughs> you're following and where you put it and stuff but still like twitter doesn't really make sense on why it is that nft like hub if you will because like i don't know i would think it's a more centralized like if there's subreddits or like i mean i know there's discords and all that too which mm-hmm. I yeah I, I feel weird about joining di- if ever anyone's like yeah, join discord join my discord and we can talk more Seems like, like actually bad i don't news. i don't yeah, need I don't it don't that bad that. bro <laughs> <laughs> No, wait, Discord is that like the dark web yeah, or something? It, it seems like it. Discord is like uh, Slack. Like Discord, I believe, was around before Slack. Mm-hmm. It's like just a a communication. You can create your own forum essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you it's have just a special big old channels. group chat. Like, yeah, it's yeah. it's a group chat, and then you can have channels for like if you want to talk about like this specific like monkey all star NFTs. You have like the monkey all star channel, and everyone who wants those like mm-hmm. they they're allowed in the forum, and they also go to that channel. But like Slack somehow became legitimate very quickly, mm-hmm. whereas Discord. I'm not familiar with that. Slack is like is literally just like business Discord. Yeah, it's it's kind of like and Microsoft Teams, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a competitor to Teams for sure. Um, yeah, like I I joined a Slack once, like because I had to, and I was like, damn, this is actually like the dopest thing. It's kind of like the Skype 2.0, like all the mm-hmm. things that Skype never got around to doing. Slack mm-hmm. like launched with those. Um, Discord is focused on more like voice chat because it's used for like games and stuff Mm -hmm. um slack is not it's focused on like text and stuff like that Hmm. um but they have like almost the same ui and everything they like look the same okay um but yeah discord is just like sketchy i hear about all these like discords that are busted like they get busted because people are doing like illegal shit like Mm -hmm. they don't want to do shit on the internet so like like selling drugs or like weird so like do it on pornographic <laughs> stuff. Yeah, so they'll do it on a Discord because it's like not exactly a public website. I mean, they still get caught. I think like, it's just a way that people can keep in contact under the radar. You know, yeah. I mean, it's not okay, it so really that's not under the radar. That's not <laughs> what Discord is, but it's, I know that it's used in a lot. Of that's how it's used. Bad yeah. stuff gravitate in that direction. So I've, I've I've never really even needed to utilize the Discord for anything. I mean, one time when I was playing a giant game of Among Us, 
I was on a Discord. Oh, yeah. we, we did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's yeah. yeah. Uh, Nutshell also has a Discord for like Slack. Used to have problems, and it would like go down for a day. Mm-hmm. So like we meet on that. Then while everyone was there, I was like, "Hey, also join my Among Us Discord. <laughs> yeah, let's all play Among Us." Together. We did, we did. That's what it turned into. Like Slack was down. Like that night, like the entire company was playing Among Us. Hell yeah, yeah. that's dope. <laughs> Eric and I kept being like pitted against one another. The the support guy, yeah, um, and your buddy from Ann Arbor. It was always like he was the. It was like me versus him, and like one of us was the imposter. That like kept happening over and over, and eventually I was like. I like Eric too much. Like I don't, we can't I don't do want to have to lie more. about him. <laughs> like, I don't want to tell people that I saw him kill somebody, dude. <laughs> like, I got really good at Among Us just because I'm really good at lying. So dude, I, like, I've discovered my <laughs> my my strategy is that like I just like scream a lot, and people are like, "Jack did it. He's the imposter." I'm like, "Bro, what are you talking about, dude?" <laughs> like, if I raise my voice, I think people I just, take me more seriously. I think I just like bully people into like. But yeah, that's also what I do when psychology the shit. That's also what I do when I'm telling the truth, though, and people accuse me of stuff. It's like the same exact reaction. Oh man! Back to the NFTs, real quick. Yeah. Um, Just like wrapping your head around those people that are collecting like the multi-million dollar ones and stuff, like, and bringing it into like that the whole metaverse shit. Um, I wonder if like I'm just trying to think of benefits for these people that are dropping this much money on these NFTs or something that they know that we don't. Like if in the future that there's like these metaverse galleries, you know, and like these owners of these NFTs are able to hold like virtual events in a sense. Like I'm just trying to think of like a I don't a think reasoning behind <clears throat> spending this much money on a digital file. I think the reason besides just the collector collectability aspect of it, you know, because I I think it falls on collectability. I think that people are only buying them to hold, see where the value goes up with the coin and then flip it. Bro, like, I, I heard somebody talking about digital plots of land the other day. I overheard Decentraland. This. We just talked about this on our last podcast. Yeah. Did you? I can mm-hmm. show you it. I got. I'm, I missed it. I'm yeah, into so, Decentraland, bro. Are you? It's basically yeah. like non-VR metaverse. Dude, it's. I would rather like buy a plot on the moon. You know what I mean? Like some hypothetical plot. Some real shit. Rather, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows how the metaverse is going to launch? But like, I can tell you, you can go to unsplash.com and there are tons of awesome looking... <laughs> pictures free and they're free bro i can have a gallery too in the metaverse and like it's all unsplash and like you know what i mean i just i don't see how these nfts are going to like return a bunch of money i mean like but someone... I'm, I'm i'm not gonna say that they're not going to i wouldn't i mean i like was telling people bitcoin was a bad idea and like look what happened to that you know what i mean so like i'm, I'm pretty confident and nfts might go the same way like Maybe it's just the more people that get interested in them. That could be alone what drives the value up. I mean, someone described to me NFTs as like Fortnite skins and V-Bucks, if you will. It's like (laughs) V-Bucks, dude? But it's it's like it's not... (laughs) tangible obviously and but it's like there's a collectability of aspect of it where you see the skin that you really really want and you want to play with or like have it on and stuff yeah but like that's all it is you know it doesn't do anything for in the game or like for you in real life but you're spending real money on this like skin essentially that you just can like look cool in and like that weird mentality of that like all the kids growing up like my little brother is geeking about v bucks and having all the skins and like that's for, sort of for it's christmas that, just pay me in v bucks dude his birthday all his little kids he had a party he got like a ton of v bucks you know Damn. it's crazy like it's the new currency that's like dope, in, in the young by golly we back in it
All right. Back in it. So Technical difficulties. Batteries on the desk and everything, dude. Yeah. Batteries on the desk. <laughs> For some reason, our uh, our podcast system is not working with our AC cable, so we're running off of these nifty difty little double A bullshit batteries. But um, you were talking about NFTs, V bucks, and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So we were talking about just like the correlation of like how Fortnite skins are the same essentially thing as NFTs, and like how little kids are just going crazy over them. Um, but yeah, just like my little brother and stuff, how he's geeked up about it. And I feel like all the younger generation, like with Minecraft and that whole sort of thing, it's like hardwiring these brains, these kids' brains to like want these like non-tangible kind of things or like these collectible items, which I think when they get older is going to just translate into fucking NFT beasts. Yeah, when, you, when you put it like that, it makes a lot more sense. You also have to think of it too, like an actual art gallery. So like art collectors and stuff like that, you know, if you want to buy the Mona Lisa, if you want to go like buy things at the Louvre or anything like that, or just a museum in general is just like, okay, well I'm going to buy this from this art collector and I'm going to hold on to it because it's worth this much money. You think those dudes are actually like, wow, I love this piece of art. You know what I mean? Or they're like, no, I love how much this piece of art's worth. So then they hold on to everything. And then, you know, eventually when the market's right, you sell it. And I think that's kind of what's going on with NFTs. But because there's so much crypto being backed into it, people are just buying because the crypto market's so volatile that you don't know when you're going to be making returns, how long you're going to hold for or anything like that. But so many people have made so much money off of it. People kind of have the incentive to just buy in now in hopes that it's going to be worth it's going to be their like quick ticket to getting rich. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, yeah. when, when you do any sort of transaction too with an NFT, you have to pay gas prices on the actual Ethereum cost or whatever coin that you're using. Mm-hmm. I don't fully understand it. So if I mis, misquote some things, then don't hold me for it. But I mean, essentially, like you just, when I put my first NFTs up, I had to pay a gas price and it was like 200, 300 bucks equivalent in Ethereum. Um, Damn, but like, and that was like a lot, you know, like yeah. I was like, holy shit, like people are doing this. But I, in my understanding, like it goes down after your first kind of your first transaction, if you will, like you're kind of instilling into this service. Um, but that's the part of that I'm, I'm unsure of, because I think it is like per like collection or like per blockchain that you or like per minting session that you do, you have to pay these gas prices. I don't even understand why, because the coin's already developed. The coin's already there. The blockchain is already. But you're 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 paying you're paying people who are mining Ethereum for basically like electricity and gas prices. I'm pretty sure is what like it trickles trickles down into um, is basically just like the cost of mining these coins. Hmm. Um, And Ethereum is pretty expensive. So like my next release, I'm looking on releasing with like a Tezo coin, which is a lot less to mint and a lot less gas prices for overall transactions. Hmm. Again, I'm still very surface level with this shit and I could be misspeaking, but um, what was I going to say here? Just the... Um, I just can't imagine with like those multi-million dollar ones of just like how much those gas prices and those fees are, are taking. Cause like, I'm sure they're paying at least, I can't even imagine. I would, I would, I would say like a hundred thousand dollars just in like mm-hmm. prices to mine that many coin. Mm-hmm. Like, cause that's, I mean, a lot of Ethereum, you know, and that's a, it's just weird. I, I, I'm still wrapping my head around it. <laughs> I have no idea what you're it's talking about. It's fucking weird. Same, dude. I mean, it makes sense from what I understand. But just like, the fees, like, on top of purchasing, like, that big of an art piece. Like, I can't, like, where are people having this, like, these art collectors or whatever, like, having 
this equity to just throw around like that is, I mean, I guess different brackets, different, we're just different not pockets. enough yet. I guess. Yeah. yeah that's it. <laughs> different pockets. Yeah. Um, so we're about almost at two hours here. I think it might be a time to wrap up. Yeah. Um, Jack, Man, is there anything else you want to I don't want to go, dude. Yeah, I know. Right. It's fun. <laughs> no, I, it was, it was great being here. I, uh, have me back soon. I've got a lot of stuff to yeah. say at all times. So. Yeah. One thing we didn't even touch on is like what you did during COVID with like the whole stimulating the, the community around you and stuff. Oh, uh, oh a, yeah. A2 helps. Yeah. A2 that helps. Was, uh, yeah. See, yeah, we had, that it was led by Joe Malcoon. I just want to shout him out yeah, real yeah, quick. Yeah. That, yeah. That was, that's, that's the team. Joe Malcoon. Uh, we had Emma Furlong, myself, Hannah Coon, uh, Rachel, uh, Kristen Gray, Sykes, Austin Sykes. I'm missing a couple Dylan goings, Pat, Oh, damn, what's his last name? I don't know. But yeah, we came together and we allowed people to donate just just cash money. Mm-hmm. And then that cash was distributed to frontline workers mm-hmm. in gift cards mm-hmm. to restaurants, like uh, restaurants and businesses of their choice mm-hmm. around Ann Arbor. So it stimulates the businesses and it rewards like frontline workers for mm-hmm. doing that crazy stuff. Which you know, all, all stems back work. to what we were talking about in the beginning of the episode is just like that that fighting chance for that like baseline like essential workers in that sense you yeah. know? and you guys all did that in what like seven days or something crazy like <laughs> we that we did it that very quickly yeah. dude yeah it was yeah. um yeah it was jo- so joe is a former uh nutshell ceo and mm-hmm. he's also an investor um and he also like co-owns the workspace that we own it that we work in and the blind also, pig yeah so it's like uh, and a lot of the people who i just named like hannah Kristen, austin are all f- like current or former nutshell employees mm-hmm. so it was like there were a lot of us there, and then some other, like some other people from Atomic Object. I think Emma Furlong was from Clink, and now she does. She does this actually really cool thing. It's like this, uh, this like encrypted like phone app stuff. It's crazy, hmm. but yeah, it's like Ann Arbor Tech people, and we just, I mean, we had to help. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, uh, things were crazy, and like I it's, still to this day, I'm just like so grateful to like frontline people who like they didn't get a break, and it's not like. It's not like they get a big long vacation when this is over. Oh, it's hell just, no. Then it goes like back, back to, to normal. Barely normal. It's people it's are crazy. still pulling tips. Some sketchy restaurant owners are still doing what they shouldn't be doing and making people pull tips, not like you know paying, oh, tipping people out the way yeah. they are. Yeah. Um, but you guys basically curated a small micro economy between restaurants. It's like we did. Man, I don't want to misquote. I believe that the final number was around two hundred thousand. Yeah, and we had like politicians. Uh, I think the DeVos family donated. Um, wow. Lots of tech investors like around Ann Arbor just could not wait to donate. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> they're telling us to get our site live, like so that they could send us money, dude. Yeah, they're like, yeah. oh um, man, they're trying to send us money. We need but, to take that money now. <laughs> but to me, that um, the reason that's so imp- like I even thought about like getting an A two helps tat like because it was so like the idea that like the community just comes together and like. I didn't do a ton of stuff for that. Like I did some like generic marketing, like copywriting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like I wrote our FAQ page and like helped with the website, which Hannah mostly like designed. Um, but like everyone just pitched in a little bit and we made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, Kristen and Austin and Rachel did a lot. They were like on the phones like all day with like people trying to like help them like do their gift cards and, and did, stuff. And for people who are kind of missing what we're saying here, it's like through Angel Investors, they bought a bunch of gift cards from restaurants and then gave those gift cards to the workers to use at other restaurants. It was a little bit more the gift the the workers got to choose their gift cards. Mm-hmm. So like the investors donate to this pool of money and then we have an interface so like impl- like frontline workers go to our site and say like I want this much at Savas and like this much at Cottage Inn and then like they get gift cards 
digital gift cards with that amount on them that are paid for by this you know pool mm-hmm. of money. It was uh it took some engineering. We had some good say, engineers like building from, a full website that kind of like talks. That was like atomic object. They're yeah. they're a local company as well, but like we had some of their uh development talent on that. That's right. Yeah. Smart, smart people, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's beyond sweet. me. Yeah, and there's like just so many other things today with Jack that we didn't get really get to touch on the way that we wanted to, but I mean, that's just what this podcast is all about. We're gonna keep talking with people and guests and keep going over subjects like this. Um, Jack, is there anything you want to plug? Damn, we already plugged Nutshell so much. I can't, I can't even do it again. Are you sure? Okay. I can't even do it again. Yeah, hit me up. We've got we've got that ten percent discount I can give to people if you if you find me, which you can. Javier, yeah. I got Nutshell. Yeah. I'm on our yeah. website. You can get a hold of me, however. Mm-hmm. But if you reference this podcast and you say that this is where you saw me, like I will believe you. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll believe you, and I'll make our salespeople give you that discount. I'm I'm banking on the fact that I can do that. So hell yeah! Um, <laughs> obviously, there's at Trace Armento on Instagram at camera cowboy. Follow us on Instagram at the dot dropcast, all one word with a period between the the and the dropcast. You can send us any questions that you want on ask dropcast at gmail, all one word ask dropcast at gmail. Just tell us you know something you want to talk about. If you think you have a guest that you want to bring in, or you know just something interesting, let us know what's going on. Other than that. You know, watch us on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And for everybody who's going to say it, we already know that half this show is out of focus because we don't have a camera op. So sorry about that, everybody. But <laughs> other than that, happy Monday in podcast time. It ain't Monday here, but it's Monday when you listen to this, maybe. So take it easy. Have a good week. Peace. See ya.